0: Hello, everyone. This is Eric Lawrenson. I produce podcasts here at the Cap Times. Lindsay is taking a short break from the studio this month. So in the meantime, we're going to be revisiting some of our favorite corner table episodes from the past two years. Today, we're bringing you Lindsay's conversation from this past January with Isaiah Schroeder, the artist and craftsman behind Isaiah Schroeder Knifeworks. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Welcome to The Corner Table, a Capital Times podcast about food and drink in Madison. As much as I totally want an Instant Pot and I love my KitchenAid, there are only a few essential tools that I really need in my kitchen. One of them is a good, sharp chef's knife. Isaiah Schroeder is a Madison-based artist and craftsman who makes knives that are as beautiful as they are functional. I am your host, Cap Times food writer Lindsay Christians. I've been admiring Isaiah's gorgeous knives for a couple of years now at pop-ups like the Good Day Market. So I was really excited to chat with him about what makes his knives special. Enjoy. So Isaiah, welcome.
0: Hi, Lindsay. Thanks. (laughs)
1: Thanks for coming in today. Um, So first of all, just maybe introduce yourself a little bit and uh, tell us how you started making knives.
0: Sure. So my name is Isaiah Schroeder. I have a business in Madison making chef knives. And I got started getting into knives in 2010. I was working as a furniture maker for Richard Judd in Paoli, Wisconsin. And uh, Mark and Sue, who own chefknivestogo.com, they came into the shop looking for somebody to make some wooden handles for knives that they import from Japan. Uh, I took the job as an after hours sort of thing and was doing that for a while and just got really interested in the whole process and everything that goes into making knives.
1: So the handles that you were making for them then, were they fairly basic or, or did you get kind of started with the artistic elements fairly quickly?
0: Um, some of both. I was always interested in pushing it to be the most interesting that I could make it. So, but yeah, there was a, a fair call for just basic knives too.
1: When you think about the shape of a knife, can you give us just a tiny kind of rundown of what all the parts are called, just so that we're all talking about the same things?
0: Well, basically there's the blade and the handle, and um, beyond that there's descriptors for all different parts of the blade, like the edge, the spine. There's the choil, which is the part that comes down from the handle. It's got a little curve that goes from the handle down to the edge.
1: Do most knives have uh, the blade going all the way through the handle, or is that... Knife by knife.
0: Yeah, so there are two different kinds, and it's separated by Western or Japanese-style or wa-style handles. Uh, Western-style handles have the tang going all the way through, and usually there's a piece of wood on either side of that, and those are called scales. Uh, Japanese-style knives enclose the tang completely, and it's, uh, it's called a stick tang.
1: What kind do you make?
0: I make mostly wa-style handles, so Japanese-style.
1: The, the style. Japanese-style. Yeah. Why do you prefer that?
0: Uh, that's just what I started doing, and um, enjoy the form.
1: How did you learn? So, Did you just sort of teach yourself how to do this? I
0: did. There's so much information available online, uh, YouTube, and there's these forums where knife makers discuss their techniques, and so much available out there.
1: One of the things that's really eye-catching about your knives is some of the patterns that you get in those. H- how do you make the patterns in the blade?
0: There's a whole process involved with that. Um, for something like a Damascus knife, I start with two different steels in a raw bar stock and stack them in alternating layers. And then I take that stack and heat it up in the forge until it's yellow heat. When it's reached temperature, then I hammer those together, and that process is called forge welding. And then it's a solid piece of metal after that. And I can take that and twist it or uh, hammer it more or cut it and restack it and grind grooves into it and make different patterns
1: That's really in that cool. way. So how, you said the yellow heat, is yeah. that just an indicator of temperature?
0: It is, yeah. It's about 22, 2300 degrees is where I want it to be. Very hot.
1: That's crazy. Do you have to protect your body?
0: Yeah. I wear, I wear leather gloves and I wear long sleeve shirts and pants that don't catch on fire.
1: <laughs> that It sounds like maybe more fun in the winter.
0: It is, definitely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where's your forge? Where do you do your work?
0: Uh, my forge is off of Gilson Street right next to uh, Funk Factory Guzzeria, if you know where they are. And, um, yeah, it's right behind my house. It's a good setup.
1: And do you have any kind of collaboration with them?
0: I do, yeah. I, they give me beer all the time, which is awesome. <laughs> and I've actually used some of their beer to etch the steel on one of my knives.
1: That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool.
0: And I get wine barrels from them, too, and use that for handle material sometimes.
1: The handles are really striking looking. And I, So are you using different woods? H- how do you get those different colors? And
0: Yeah, I get wood from all around the world. Um, some of it comes from Australia. Quite a bit of it does, actually. And um, all the wood I use is stabilized, which is a process that makes the wood uh, more durable, more waterproof, and stronger. I combine that with different metals and uh, different other materials like reconstituted stone and just try to pair them all together to look really good with the blade that it's going on.
1: Has your process evolved since you first started doing these? Have, have you found yourself like, I'm really interested in this particular wood or this style since you started making knives?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I, I have a particular Damascus pattern that I make the most often, which is called a lazy twist. I just really enjoy the, the way it looks, the boldness of the pattern. And so I've done that one the most often.
1: Are these meant to be on the wall and beautiful, or are they meant to be used?
0: They're definitely meant to be used. Um, they're designed to uh, cut really efficiently and well. They might not take as much abuse as, like, a, you know Henkel's knife or a factory knife, but um, they're going to cut a lot easier and be something that you'd want to use for eight hours a day.
1: For sure. Is there Are there things that maybe you wouldn't want to use the knife for, like bones?
0: Definitely. Yeah, they would not be... I mean, there are different knives for different tasks. So I could make a thicker, heavier knife with a geometry for cutting bones. Most of the knives I make are for general slicing purposes, like cutting vegetables or proteins.
1: So I'm curious, um, what makes your knives different than... My ankles.
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, it's pretty similar to food. And you can pretty easily make a, a cheeseburger that's way better than like McDonald's good, just by using better ingredients and taking more care and time in making it better steel and better heat treat. And that allows for a thinner geometry. And uh, a knife is like a wedge. If you go to push it through something like a potato, uh, the thicker that wedge is, the harder it's going to be to push through there. So Small changes in the geometry can have a very big difference in how the knife cuts.
1: How do you, if someone is using your knife regularly, how do you recommend that they sharpen it? Could they use an at-home sharpener? Would you want them to take it to a shop?
0: Um, I recommend using water stones. There are some at-home sharpeners that work well. You have to be pretty careful with them. Some of them will chew up your knives. So that's something to watch out for. I've been using one called Work Sharp Culinary that works really well because it uses grinding belts, which are the same things that I use in my shop to make the knives. But water stones, if you're willing to master the technique, are definitely the best way to get a sharp knife.
1: Is that something that you do sort of manually?
0: Yeah, yeah. You just—it's basically rubbing the knife on a stone.
1: <laughs> I have a honing steel. It helps a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't help. It's not magic. But I feel like one of the most common problems with people's knives in their kitchens is really just dull knives. Mm -hmm. It's amazing the difference. Like my husband will take the knife, you know, every every month or so and just get it professionally sharpened because we don't have an at-home sharpener. Sure. When he brings it back, it's like a whole new knife.
0: Yeah, it makes a big difference.
1: It's a huge difference.
0: So with my knives, I'm actually willing to resharpen them for free. If anybody buys a knife from me, you bring it into the shop and I'll sharpen it for you. Another thing is uh, making the steel harder makes it more abrasion resistant, which means it doesn't need to be sharpened as often.
1: I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. So the knife that I use the most often at home when I'm cooking is my, it's a Western made knife, but it's a Santoku style Mm -hmm. um, because it has those little kind of gouges that helps things move off the blade. Sure. But I also kind of like the curve of it and it's about seven inches because I'm, I'm a five foot two person Mm -hmm. and I don't need a super long 10 inch chef's knife. It is interesting though because a santoku style and a chef's knife, they function a little bit differently Mm -hmm. on my cutting board. Do you make the different shapes and like, you know, when people talk about like what they're best used for?
0: Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that affect how you hold the knife and how you use it. Uh, The profile of the edge itself, it can be flatter or have more belly in it. And if you think about, like, if uh, if, the, if it swoops up towards the tip, then that means you have to hold it up higher to use the tip on the cutting board. And it lets you get into smaller places with the finer tip like that. But a uh, flatter profile will let you chop down, and you can chop a lot faster. So depending on whether you want to slice or chop or use the tip, you can adjust uh, the thickness of the knife, too, which makes it uh, suitable for different purposes.
1: I love my sentoku for squash. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't love it as much for chopping nuts, for example, because it doesn't have that kind of classic chef's knife shape.
0: The rocker kind Mm -hmm. of edge, yeah.
1: And I I grew up, you know, with that rocking style, like chopping nuts for chocolate chip cookies with my mother. I rely very heavily on my santoku It's kind of like an extension of my arm. Mm. So I'll choke up on it a lot and to get like lots of control. Knife skills are one of those areas where if you learn a few things, it can open up a whole world. Like it can make things so much easier and faster in your kitchen.
0: Definitely. Yeah, so one of the things that um, I was taught was to use a pinch grip which is where you actually have the, your hands on the blade of the knife, pretty far up on the blade. Like half of your hand is on the handle. The other half is on the blade. And that lets you have more control, and it kind of puts it in line with your arm and makes it more of an extension of your arm.
1: You make beautiful paring knives as well. Thank you. And I, I love those. And I feel like, you know, it, it's, it, they fit really nicely in your hand. And I wonder when you were making them, did you think a little bit about those ergonomics of like how it's going to feel when you're using the knife?
0: I definitely did, yeah. I was thinking about um, being able to make paring cuts with a paring knife so the blade could not be too wide and the handle would want to be nearly round but not quite round. And I went through a few different iterations of that design.
1: When you're speaking with folks at like the Good Day Market, for example, and you're talking with people about your work, what kinds of questions do they have? Do they wonder why the knives are the, the price that they are? Do you have to kind of explain some of that?
0: The question I get asked the most is, um, how long does it take to make a knife? And for something like a Damascus knife, it takes about 40 hours. So it takes about a week. You know, I usually have more than one going at a time, so I can make a few of them in a week. But it's it's a long process. All the forging and um, grinding and heat treating and everything, it's just, you can't take shortcuts with it.
1: What other styles do you make?
0: I have made quite a few sushi knives, um, Japanese-style single bevel knives. They're generally quite a bit thicker, and they have all of the bevel on one side of the knife. And that's made for more like slicing fish really cleanly, you know, making really clean sushi cuts.
1: Do you know any chefs that use your knives?
0: Um, yeah, Patrick DiPula here in Madison, who owns Salvador's Tomato Pies, he has two of my knives.
1: Are they, do they stand up to heavy use in a kitchen?
0: I would think so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've had knives in my past that have broken, like mm. where the, you know, the blade comes apart from the handle. Is oh. that something that's fixable if that happens to your knife?
0: Um, yeah, if typically what happens the most is a tip will break off and that's something I can usually regrind and the knife might be a little bit shorter. But definitely we'll still have a usable tip and, you know, a good knife. So um, as far as uh, the handle coming off of the knife, that's probably not going to happen on my knives. (laughs) (laughs) But if it does, I will totally fix it. My knives are guaranteed. So if they break, I will fix them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's what's next for you? You've been making knives now, you said, full-time for a couple of years?
0: If I'm still doing this in five years, I'd be very happy. I'm always going to try and push kind of the Damascus technology for me and make new patterns and try and find new ways to make interesting uh, textures and patterns in the blades and match those with the handles. That's what I really enjoy the most.
1: Well, you brought some knives in here. Can we maybe take a look at them?
0: Sure, yeah. This one This one is called a K-tip, which is Kiritsuke tip.
1: The patterns on the knife blade remind me of, like, have you seen the maps of the sea where they show depth?
0: Yeah, a topographical map.
1: That's what it looks like. And the wood on the handle kind of, it, it almost has like a little bit of like a, an old parchment feel or like a map kind of feel too. What kind of wood is it?
0: That is spalted tamarind.
1: What's the blue? There's a line of blue.
0: That is reconstituted turquoise. It's gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you. How long is this knife? That is 240 millimeters. Like a foot, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's about uh, a 9-inch knife, somewhere in that. Yeah, I mean, the Japanese convention is to use millimeters, and a lot of customers expect that, so that's why I stick with that.
1: How do you balance the weight, so I'm you know like how do you find kind of where the center of balance in the knife is?
0: Uh, most people prefer to have it a little blade forward, so like if you're holding it as a in a pinch grip, it should be a little bit blade heavy
1: the The top edge of the knife it's like trapezoidal, almost like it's like part of a triangle it's very like a sharp edge there. Is that a particular style?
0: Yeah, that is the Karasuke tip and it comes down at about a forty five degree angle and it's very similar to the Santoku that you like because it's got a flat profile but it also has a very fine point that you can use for detail work.
1: Getting in there with the edge there and finding where, where things split. Yeah. Do you cook with your knives?
0: I do, yeah. I have several in my kitchen.
1: That's gorgeous. Thank you. So I, I wonder, do you have you know, folks who sort of get one of your knives and then come back and buy others? And Do you hear about people's experiences using them?
0: Yeah, I try to ask my customers for feedback as much as possible. I always like to know if there's something I can improve about it or just to hear how they use it. You know, that can help me make a better knife.
1: Are people usually using it as like a day-to-day workhorse or do they use it as a specialty knife? I
0: think a lot of chefs will buy these as a workhorse knife because it's a high-performance knife and it will actually make their job easier on a day-to-day basis.
1: Do you think of yourself as an artist?
0: Uh, yeah, I I hope so. <laughs> I like to try to be. I was always interested in design and how I could make things beautiful and functional at the same time. That's That was kind of what I was going for with furniture and just extended that into knife making as well. I love it that they get used. You know, I I wouldn't want it any other way.
1: So where can people find your knives?
0: I have some knives for sale at Underground Butcher here in Madison and some at Wisconsin Cutlery Supply on University Avenue and uh, occasionally on my website. Which is? SchroederKnifeWorks.com. S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R KnifeWorks.
1: Awesome. Thank you. This is is great.
0: This is a beautiful knife. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to The Corner Table. You can find us on iTunes or anywhere else you find podcasts. Do be sure to leave us a rating or a review. Also, be sure to check out our other podcasts here at the Cap Times, like Wedge Issues or The Mad Splainers. The music for The Corner Table was composed by Patrick Christians. Lindsay will be back soon with new episodes. Thanks again for tuning in.